0: Thank you for joining the Leader Generation Podcast, where B2B marketers can explore new technology and strategies to effectively fill their sales pipeline and contribute to company growth. Our host today is Tessa Berg, the Chief Technology Officer at Tenlo.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Leader Generation. I'm your host, Tessa Berg and today our guest is Eric Aylers. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because I think a lot of us as marketers are always looking for new tools, new ways to get closer to our customers. We have a ton of data, but sometimes it's not always clear on how to translate it into action. And we're going to dig into how workflow automation, so processes and technology that are solving critical problems in your IT departments, in customer service, and even on production lines in manufacturing industrial clients can benefit us as marketers, can help us get closer to that customer, help improve customer experience and increase our retention. And we know that when we're closer to the customer and we have a higher retention, that allows us to create content and the halo effect and those awesome case studies we all love that helps us generate leads. So let's dive in. Thank you, Eric, for being our guest today.
2: Yeah, great Great to be here and uh, hope everyone's doing well out there.
1: So let's start a little bit about you and ServiceNow. Give us some background on uh, your role at the company and what types of services does ServiceNow offer?
2: Yeah, uh, let's start with ServiceNow. ServiceNow is a software as a service company. It's been around, oh, over 12 years now. Originally started in the uh, IT service management space. So if you're not familiar with ITSM or IT service management, effectively, it's a platform for your IT teams to help manage your, your day-to-day IT. So if you needed your laptop or your phone or to change your password, that's generally going through an IT service management system also known as a help desk or ticketing system. That's where ServiceNow's roots were. But ultimately what happened was is that the company really developed a powerful workflow engine, right? And we'll talk a little bit about workflow is in a little bit. But we built this workflow engine in which customers actually started going outside of IT, sort of organically where they were building – Uh, Workflows to support things around customer service and HR and building applications that were very specific to their business. And so the company has, you know, since evolved. Over the past decade and sort of to expanding into these other areas of the business. So, uh, we're very heavily in HR, we're heavy in customer service, we build low code, no code applications, we're still building big in IT. Subsequently, though, because all of our customers are in an industry, what also was happening is that we were seeing a lot of drive towards building line of business uh, sort of workflows to support their day to day core operations. So, over the last two years, we started launching specific products in industry. So we started off in financial services and telecom. And then this year, we're launching products in manufacturing and healthcare. And I look after the manufacturing vertical. So in my day-to-day, I work with ServiceNow customers to help them understand where ServiceNow can help solve problems, specifically in their horizontal view, but also then working with the teams and our customers to develop our industry-specific roadmaps, so building core solutions for the manufacturing vertical as well. And so that's what I do in my day-to-day in terms of looking at the industry and then also working with our customers and sales teams to help support customers.
1: Well, that is definitely a lot. And I think it's interesting that you started in this IT services management platform, but now you're getting into some areas that are familiar to marketers, like low-code or no-code solutions that help automate specific types of activities. Tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about how workflow automation, whether it's the process or application of it, can be used or does benefit marketers.
2: Yeah. So I think in this day and age, I, I years ago, I was working with a company and he said sort of everyone is technically in the marketing department, right? So, you know, when you're in the marketing department, you're sort of seen as the, the sort of customer lens of things. You represent the customer, but really everyone is there supporting the customer. And the reality of business in this day and age is you can't work in silos, right? You've got to have the ability to connect all your different departments together and work seamlessly against those different work, work seamlessly with those departments. So, your customer services has to be connected to your operations and things of that nature. And so, everyone sort of represents from a marketing standpoint of that. And so, workflow is really there to um, do a couple things. And so, workflow is there to automate processes. Right? There are things that we have to do every single day. Right? And so, you want to automate all those things throughout the day. You don't want to do redundant tasks. Like people find doing redundant work kind of boring. So there's like a lot of things you can do to automate that and make their work life better. But also then the ability to sort of Take that workflow and create a system of action so that everyone is working in the same workspace, right? So you have complete visibility of what's going on across the entire company, from customer service to your manufacturing to your supply chain, everything. So you have a very holistic view of what's going on, and that enables you to ultimately drive better processes. You can drive better processes about your company from a marketing standpoint, from you know taking that and then also using data to actionize on it. One of the biggest challenges most companies have is they have all these different systems of record that like they're working through, and I have to pull data from here and I have to pull data from here and I've got a CRM system here and I've got my marketing analytics here and I don't know what the right hand and left hand are doing. And what we do is sort of one, build that workflow engine, but then also create that platform so you can see what everything that's going on and then pull that data holistically. So then you can drive your continuous improvement and change management and things of that nature. So that's where we're adding a lot of value. So it's not necessarily per se for marketing, but we're sort of a halo effect where we help support all the things that marketers have to do their day to day.
1: Yeah. We talk a lot about you know, sales and marketing alignment, like making sure that there isn't a silo between the tools, the data and the processes that sales teams use and marketers. And a lot of the things you just mentioned kind of set up marketing IT alignment, because as marketers, we are concerned about the customer experience. And so if some manual things are being taken off our counterparts' plates where it's being automated, it seems like the output could bubble up to a better customer experience for businesses and users. Have you seen that be the case?
2: Yeah, so I think more and more companies nowadays are very much focused on the customer experience, right? And it's no longer, as a marketer, it's traditionally was like, oh, here's my product. And if the product is really good, then the customer's happy. But nowadays, the shift has gone from, I want to have a good experience with companies right and more and more companies you know we're a software as a subscription model more and more companies are going to this recurring revenue model right and recurring revenue is really built on kind of two things it's built on one you have a very good product that people want to buy over and over again but also the experience of working with those folks So when i do have a problem or an issue i need to change something that becomes critical. So you're not just marketing the product anymore. You're marketing the services and everything that goes around. And that's, I think where the big change in marketing has happened. Most all companies are moving to this recurring model. Right. And so, your customer service actually becomes your product. And that's, I think, a lot of people are starting to sort of realize that. And so as whether companies interface with you directly or it could be even virtual, like a lot of times nowadays, most people don't actually want to interface with a person. They want to go to a portal or a website and have a discussion, You know, have those automated AI chatbot discussions, not necessarily wait for someone to come in there, right? So that whole experience around how the customer is serviced is just as critical as the product nowadays.
0: That
1: is really interesting because that comes up a lot. Even here at Tenlo, we hear people wanting to move to more of this recurring revenue model. I'm not sure if they see that immediate connection to now your customer support and your expertise is really going to come front and center and be the thing that you productize. So if a business is thinking about this, they want to explore recurring revenue or a subscription model or you know, they at least want to start automating different components of their process to have a better experience. How would I know as a business that I'm in need or workflow automation would benefit me and help me get to that place?
2: Well, I mean, it's really going to be dependent. Every every sort of product is going to be be different. What I would say is that Regardless of what you're going into, if you're looking to do a recurring revenue model, right, you've got to think through both how do you connect the product with the services in front of it, right? And a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, okay, I've got a product, I can just, for example, add some Wi Fi or a cellular chip in there. And I can put it out there and now I've got a recurring revenue model. And that's not really good. And what what actually happens is you're gonna find is that if you don't have the processes and systems in place, that's gonna break your model, right? Because ultimately what you're selling is you're selling the product, but you're also you're sort of selling the whole experience, right? And so when something does go wrong and inherently something will go wrong, or you have to update something, there are different people that are now involved in the product support. Right. Used to be I'd sell the product it goes to a distributor and the distributor kind of ends with there. Right now, I have a direct I'm having a direct relationship with the customer. Right. Which is something retailers, manufacturers, drug device manufacturers, all these different folks typically didn't have that in relationship with that customer. Right. And so you have to think through not only is my customer service there, but do I have the field support supporting? Right. Do I have the technical support to support it? Do I have the ability to be proactive, right? And make sure when something does go wrong that I can proactively get people out there to help support that and sort of build that whole experience. So it's all about, you have to really think through the plan of, right, if I do this, right, who are all the different people up front that I need to connect? It's not just a matter of I have a connected product or I have a recurring revenue bundle. It's a matter of, okay, I have to connect all these different departments and systems and everything like that. Um, and that sounds like it could be very, you know, sort of tedious um, up front, but if you plan ahead of it, you know, it's, it's better to do that up front. A lot of times people just launch the product, get it out as quickly as they can. And the customer has a really bad experience with it, or you're not able to support it. And then you're just dead in the water from the get-go. So really sort of thinking through all those different things. How do I connect this? Who are the different stakeholders? What are the styles? Really, what does that customer want at the end? And sort of designing that experience is up front is really critical. And then obviously if you, you know, you want to pick a platform that can then connect it all and then help support all those different areas.
1: You made a really good point that we see a lot of businesses skip, which is to start with that experience first. How do you want customers to interact with you, to interact with this new service? And I love what you said. It's more than just putting a chip on something and starting to gather the data because I think that's the part people get most excited about and it's physical and it's tangible and you know where it's going to go and you sort of see all the possibilities. But starting with what's the experience first can kind of help prioritize where some resources are going to be shifting. So if they're no longer doing manual work and we're automating parts of that, where do we need to shift the thinking to deliver the service as best as possible?
2: And with that, we're all going, I think every company is going through this process of trying to figure out how do I have help my people do more. And so as you do that, you have to map your processes. We talked about this a little bit earlier. There's a lot of people doing a lot of redundant work and it's just sort of soul crushing and a lot of these things can be automated. And people talk about, you know, automation is going to be the killer of the workforce. It's really not. Automation of anything is going to augment it so that, you know, what you want to do is actually shift your focus away from those redundant tasks and put people on people on doing work that's sort of Problem solving and using human ingenuity. AI and machine learning is great, but it's not, it, it's there to sort of help support. It's not going to sort of necessarily displace someone. So, you know, that's where you can add a lot of value in terms of like, you know, where can I streamline this process? What's redundant? And where can I put people to focus on areas that really matter?
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's what makes AI scary to a lot of manufacturing and industrial. And I'm sure you hear that a lot. They love their people, mm-hmm. their software. Self- People have been in roles for, you know, decades and they're doing an awesome job and now I'm going to, you know, change it on them or our organization isn't good with change. Do you have any tools or tips that people can use to help bring people along who maybe are just resistant to change or perhaps aren't really clear on how AI can help empower as opposed to displace?
2: I mean, look, the reality is if you look at manufacturing right now, let's just, that's my day to day. There's going to be, by 2030, there's going to be a shortage of like 2.1 million workers, right? We've talked about this labor shortage everywhere, right? Manufacturing as an example, has been really, um, sorry, is really being critically hit. And, and it's not that, you know, manufacturers can't attract talent. It's just that the talent is different than what it was 20, 30 years ago. And you're no longer necessarily fixing things with a wrench you're fixing things with a laptop, right? But you also have this challenge of a lot of legacy workers are now retiring. In fact, COVID, we've actually seen Accelerate. A lot of baby boomers just ended up retiring overall. And so one of the things that's important is, one, you know, you've got to capture all this kind of knowledge in one space. You've got a lot of institutional knowledge in your organization, and you don't want that knowledge to walk out the door, right? So I think it's really, really critical to digitize both your knowledge base, your workers, and everything like that. That's sort of the first thing, building that system so that you've gotten the ability to do that, right? And having that knowledge base ultimately will help your subject matter experts over time. This is where AI can be very uh, helpful in terms of we're humans. We can only retain so much information, and we have our specialties, right? So we're not really built to help support that, but we can automate that with artificial intelligence. And if you've got sort of like a knowledge base that says – all right, in my day-to-day role, I have standard operating procedures. You know, I need to follow the standard operating procedures, and you know, I have to do these daily fixes and I can see things that are wrong, or I have a case, or I have an event, or something, I had to do this. AI can help service, service up. So as an example, I'm working at a machine, I get an error code. If I have a tablet with a knowledge base, I can pull that up and you know, AI can say, well, in 90% of the time, this fix works on this machine, right? that you're still fixing the machine physically, right? Or you're changing something in the system, but AI just gets you there faster. So rather than sitting there trying to diagnose and diagnose, If you can aggregate all that information in one spot, it really helps people work. And that's just, you know, that's a manufacturing example. There's day-to-day things like a call center or any, you know, everyone needs this in their day-to-day. Like if you can sort of capture that knowledge in a singular place, then AI can help serve up the right fixes for you to sort of move on and do your job and be more productive. And so that's kind of where we're seeing is AI is helping people be more productive. Again, it's like you don't want to carry binders anymore and you don't want to, you don't have the ability to go run up to the library or do anything like that. This is where sort of cloud and software helps in that it can help speed people to be more productive. Like, you know, back in the day, we would go write a term paper, we'd go to the library, and we'd spend hours and hours and hours there. Now I can pick it up, look through that, and that drive it there. So these are the kind of things that like it's augmenting and helping people. And so that's the way to think of that. And, and you know, machine learning is another one, right? That's to help you see the patterns, right? People can see the patterns. Sometimes you've got these brilliant people that can just sort of see the patterns and go from there. But oftentimes those patterns are underneath thing and you've got to sort of aggregate all these different things together. And so if you want to make changes or fixes and do things in your organization, you can drive things with that using machine learning to help you see the patterns and then using that human ingenuity to then actually fix it. Machine learning is just going to give you the information, but it's going to help you aggregate the information. And so that's the way to think of AI and machine learning together is it's a way to augment there and help you be better to help drive your day-to-day outcomes drive your business better.
1: That definitely saves a lot of time. So instead of hunting for all the information and kind of aggregating and pulling it together yourself, pulling the patterns forward and then getting recommendations allows businesses to do more with less resources. You've only got a finite number of subject matter
2: experts, usually in some one company, right? And in the old way of working if something happens, you would put that person on a plane, they'd have to fly six hours, they'd have to go someplace, then they'd get in there, you know, and it's like you waste 12, you know, 12, 20, 24 hours to get a fix, right?
0: B2B marketers often ask, should I focus on content strategy or SEO to improve lead generation? It's a trick question because the answer is both. When you combine content and SEO together, you can increase online visibility and capture high-quality leads. To get started, read How to Get More Value from Your Content with SEO. Download the guide under resources at tenlo.com. And now back to our show.
2: The better way to do things now is to take those SMEs and give them the tools that sort of can help allow them to aggregate all that information so people don't always have to get on a plane. Either people can self-serve and find it themselves, or they can quickly collaborate with
1: these SMEs to do their work better. That's awesome. So let's take a step back and talk about IoT, which might be a part of the equation of getting some of that data into the system. When you guys engage with a client, do they already have a plan for IoT or they already have data that they're collecting, they just don't know what to do with it, or is there help or resources where someone can kind of find opportunities like, hey, in my manufacturing process, here's where IOT or collecting this type of data through a device might help me improve or might help me get more out of machine learning and AI?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, going back to where machine learning and AI comes together is the more data you have, the better informed you can be, right? And so, if you're selling services or you're selling specific type of solution, right, that, that data can ultimately be aggregated to ultimately deliver a better customer experience, right? You can kind of see what's going wrong in the field. You, it lessens your blind spots. So if you're a marketer or you're an engineering person, right? I have a better understanding of what's going on with my product in the field, right? So that ultimately then I can then take that and circle that back into the product life cycle, or as a marketer, I can come back and say, hey, you know, we see these type of opportunities here or customers are asking for this. So just that wealth of information, right, helps you drive both your product lifecycle and also the customer experience, right? So you can can take both. So that's really the power of IoT. And once you have that sort of system, those those systems in place, um, you know, you you can then, you know, take that machine learning and that AI that ultimately, that ultimately drives. You're aggregating that data, looking at the looking at the patterns. You know, uh, automatic uh, automating things proactively, right? Nobody wants to call up and ask for a fix anymore. It's like, hey, look, if something's going to break now, I want the truck out here. I don't even want to call. I just want someone to come out here and fix it. I don't want to have those conversations, right? And so, again, that's another opportunity within marketers to say, all right, you know, building these platforms. Like, no longer again, going back to the product discussion. It's Let's build the product, but then also what is that experience, ultimately, and AI and machine learning then helps then support that. It helps create the better experience. You can be more proactive. You can service things better. But also then you can take the data from all that information and really – Build better products from it. Build better experiences for your customers, and sort of continue to fine tune that over time. So that's sort of where all the opportunity is with marketers and manufacturers, and kind of how that's sort of aggregating together. It's how you take that data and applying it, but then also finding the patterns, finding the solutions, taking that information, and keep re-injecting it into your product lifecycle.
1: Yeah, this you know really big challenge in marketing is customer retention. I feel like the pandemic has really accelerated the shift in focus for a lot of marketers, especially in manufacturing and industrial from, you know, just always generating leads. I mean, that's the title of this podcast. You know, we're always hyper-focused on leads, but one thing that happened as a result of the pandemic, when, um, you know, a lot of processes and logistics broke down is what am I doing for my customers? How am I addressing this most efficiently and making yeah. it better and the self-directed. So the more, I feel like the shift in alignment of marketing to IT is, you know, how am I leveraging this data to get closer to the customers I already have so that I yeah. can find more like them and onboard them more efficiently in a way that's gonna help them or you know make them want yeah. to stay.
2: And I think most people who've been in marketing and sales long enough knows it's like you actually sell more to your existing customers, right? It's it's your Cost of sale is lower, right? And so, anytime you can take data to continue to expand that relationship, that's where it's critical. And that's where I think a lot of people are putting their bets on IOT and AI. Is how do I leverage those customer relationships to expand them? Right? I mean, the time it takes to bring on a new customer. I mean, everyone wants a new customers, everyone wants new leads, but like there's a big investment up front. If you can service those existing customers and expand those relationships, your revenue and your margins way higher, right? So that's sort of where the why everyone's going into recurring revenue and trying to figure that out, but then also it's sort like, of how do I expand those relationships? And you do that by looking at the data, but then also understanding from that experience standpoint, if that customer is having a good experience, they're going to stay with you right? And they're going to open up their wallet more and more to help to work with you.
1: Yes. Another thing that comes up in marketing all the time, uh, regardless of where I work in the customer journey, is the metrics. So if I you know started looking at um, leveraging workflow, automation in the company what are some of the metrics that bubble up as yes this automated flow or this use of machine learning AI has been successful and had the impact that we've wanted it to have on our business it's pretty
2: broad but one obviously you know we look at we, we're very focused in customer service so how are we helping customers drive better NPS right so if you've got workflow automating that back end, making it easy for customers to sort of work with you, giving them the answers that they need, that's ultimately is going to help you drive better net promoter score, right? So that's it from a a sort of customer service standpoint. Internally, you can also score how your employees, there's the internal satisfaction of your workers, right? If you're a worker and you're consistently doing sort of redundant work and it's not challenging and you're not feeling like you're appreciated in it, you know, nobody wants a sort of stagnant career, right? And so I think also understanding how those workers are, like, do they feel like, are they focusing on the right things, right? So you can look at some of the internal metrics in terms of employee satisfaction. How do I like coming to my job every day? You know, is it easy for me to do my work or is it challenging because I'm sort of navigating all these different systems and work and everything like that? And it's like every day is sort of, I'm playing traffic cop. That's not a great one either. And then there's sort of the bottom line metrics, right? If you can reduce costs or reduce the cost to serve, everyone's going to be doing more with less. That's just the reality of it. We've seen the workforce challenges here. How do you then sort of improve productivity? So you can look at things like productivity, reducing your cost to serve. And then if you're in the services business, obviously you want to. Um, look at the margins you're reducing off those services. So those are some, just some of the things that you can think of, but, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I'm looking at net promoter score. I'm looking at employee experience. I'm looking at um, improving my margin profile, reducing cost of service. I think those are some of the main things that people would generally
1: focus on. That's awesome. Like if I am, I mean, this is the podcast and no one can see this, but I could see like automation right in the center and the best way to scope out what we should do with that automation. Where do we start? What's the best process is first say, how is it going to benefit the customer? How are we going to retain, how are we going to grow our business? And then say, what type of data should we be getting if I don't collect data today, or maybe I have not started really looking at data in a critical strategic way. We run into that a lot. You know, people have a lot of data. They just don't know what to do with it. Tell me a little bit about your experience in in that realm.
2: Just to add on that. I think, the, one of the challenges actually there, there's two problems with data is like now we actually probably have too much data right yeah. and you can pretty much pull data off everything and you can work with a lot of these analytics platforms and I think this is actually when we talk about going back to IoT like one of the things we're really good at like we figured out the connectivity piece we can put a chip in about just about anything right and we can get that data back and we can process that data but what we're companies really struggle with is like, what do I do with the data? Right. Because now there's so much data coming in that it's actually causing this data paralysis. So our analysis paralysis as I, as I like to call it. So it's like, I have so much information. I don't know what to do with it. And again, this is where kind of AI machine learning can help. It's helped me pull out the big trends that I need to do and understand about that. And help me then drive action around that because data without action is kind of worthless. It's just a rock sitting on the ground. And so that's sort of the thing you have to think of is sort of, I can get data. How do I aggregate that data? How do I pull from multiple systems? But then what is the critical data that I need to do to do my job? And then how can I action it? And that's where workflow comes in is that you can design the actioning around it. Like if these things happen, this triggers this event and I need this person to do it. Or if this happens, I need it to go here and this is the right person to get to it. So I think that's the biggest thing that people need to start thinking through is we figured out the data problem, we figured out the connectivity problem. Now this sort of last mile is what's the action that then we do about it. And that can be human action or it can be AI action or machine learning action, but sort of getting the right information to the right person at the right time so that they can solve the problem is really what's critical. So thinking through all of that is really, and so what's that last mile and how do I action it and what do I do with it? That's the part that I think most people forget. And that's really the most important part about it.
1: Yeah. I love that exercise. If I have a bunch of actions and activities that I've come up with, how would you recommend I would go about prioritizing those things? I'm like, I want to do all of this.
2: You got to prioritize. Yeah, there's no way. And again, this is where technology can help you, right? You need to sort of figure out a criticality and a scoring thing, right? And it's like we do this in our house every day, right? We've got things going on in our house. I've got to fix these things. Hanging a picture on the wall versus my sink is overflowing, right? We have to prioritize based on those kind of things. And the same goes into business, right? Yeah, you want to get to all of them eventually. But it's really creating that sort of scoreboard of understanding what's a critical, what's a critical need versus what's a nice to have, right? And Mm -hmm. this is where technology can really help you is sort of help you prioritize what's that criticality. And you can sort of build the workflow and the programming behind it to say, hey, on my task that I've got to do every day, um, these are my critical ones. If I, if I get all these done, then I move to the next and I move to the next and sort of that. It just helps us process that daily. Otherwise, we're just kind of running, you know, we're creating fire drills across everywhere we go and everything becomes a fire. And in reality, everything's not a fire, right? Some things can just, you know, take the time. You can work to it and you can get to it eventually. So I think that that's another piece where, you know, when you think through workflow and kind of building that out, how do you prioritize? Well, this is where technology can help. you always try to prioritize your critical things that are necessary and then sort of work your way through those, right? And then you can also manage your resources better that way, right? Because you might have some resources that are better here, and you might have some resources that are better there, and you can assign your resources based on where that criticality is.
1: Yeah, no, I love that suggestion, especially when you use technology, you can always, what I call, like, blame the process. Then it's not one person's opinion versus another. It's like, listen, we came up yeah. with a methodology, we pulled out the patterns, and here, you know, based on our business, how customers interact with us and how we run our processes is where we should focus first.
2: Yeah, and, and it's, a, it's, an ever, it's an everlasting cycle. Like most people, you know, come from manufacturing, you know, Kaizen and Six Sigma and everything like that, right? You're always looking at continuous improvement and reducing waste. And that, you know, people think of that as kind of a manufacturing thing, but you can really apply it anywhere. It applies in, marketing, right? You know, we have processes in marketing and you should always continue to sort of look through, all right, how do I apply this process here? Where can I reduce waste? How can, where can I automate and make things better, right? And so, you know, people invest in their marketing stack to do this. That's why we have marketing automation tools and CRM tools and things of that nature, right? So thinking through that whole part of it is is, is critical, right? And so, you know, again, Uh, You know, you can workflow just about anything. It's just a matter of taking the time to map it, but also understanding it's a never-ending process. You're always going to come back and fine-tune and fine-tune and fine-tune.
1: Well, that is all the time that we have. I think this is a huge opportunity for marketers who are interested in improving their customer retention and especially starting to shift into marketing IT alignment in order to improve that experience through all the metrics you said. I think also retaining employees and retaining people with that institutional knowledge and giving them new opportunities is really exciting. Eric, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how can they reach you?
2: Yeah, you can look me up on my LinkedIn profile, like that happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn, or I will have a blog as well and we can provide that link to podcast here. So we'll have that out here in a couple of weeks.
1: Awesome, that is fantastic. Well, thanks so much Uh, for joining us. And if you want to check out more about ServiceNow, it's servicenow.com. And we'll put that link along with Eric's blog on the website at tenlo.com. Just click on podcast and you can see all of the previous episodes as well. All right. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining us. And I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Great. Thanks for your time.
0: You've been listening to another episode of Leader Generation by Tenlo Radio. Be sure to subscribe on tenloradio.com.